Well, happy Easter again to each of you. Or maybe I should say happy Resurrection Day. You know, happy Resurrection Day. We're not going to be talking about bunnies or eggs, anything like that. We're going to talk about and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the living one. He was crucified 2,000 years ago, buried, stayed three days in the tomb, and on that first Easter morning, or what we now know as Easter morning, he rose from the dead, never to die again. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an established historical fact. Norman Geisler, the scholar, wrote about the resurrection, and he said, and I quote, there are more documents, more eyewitnesses, more corroborative evidence than for any other historical event of ancient history. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an established historical fact. Acts 1, verse 3, and I'd encourage you to take out the white page that's in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline of the message and the verses written out there. You can take some notes if you'd like. Acts 1, verse 3 says, After his suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so the Bible records 12 appearances of the resurrected Christ. He appeared on one occasion to hundreds of witnesses all at the same time. People saw him. People talked to him. People even ate with him. Jesus Christ truly is risen from the dead. Besides the accounts of Jesus' appearance, we have the evidence of the empty tomb. The evidence of the empty tomb is very powerful. Jesus had a lot of enemies. The Jews, the Romans did not want to admit that he was alive. And how could they have disproved the resurrection? By producing the body of Jesus Christ. But they could not. The body was missing. The tomb was empty because Jesus had risen from the dead. The disciples of Jesus were fearful. They were hiding after he was crucified. They didn't know what to do. All hope was gone. And then suddenly... Three days later, everything changed. And they began to boldly preach, not about the Jesus who had ministered and was dead, but about the Jesus who had ministered and was now alive, the one that they were following. The early church had about 120 disciples after three years of Jesus' ministry. But after Jesus rose from the dead and the apostles began to preach about his resurrection, the church exploded into thousands upon thousands of people and continues to grow to this day. I'd like us to watch a short video about the impact of the resurrection on Jesus' two disciples, Peter and John. It's called The Risen Way. The resurrection changed everything. Jesus' disciples were transformed. Multiplied millions down through the millennia have been changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ had not resurrected from the dead, we wouldn't be sitting here today. His message and his resurrection changed the entire world. And why was the resurrection so important? Well, the resurrection is at the very core of Christianity. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So the resurrection is not just a a little aside, a nice little story. The resurrection is at the very 
core of our faith. There is no salvation. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no reason for faith if Jesus has not been raised from the dead. But he has been raised from the dead and history records and people have experienced the power of the resurrection. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached and said, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter and the other apostles witnessed Jesus alive once again, the Jesus they'd seen crucified on the cross. The resurrection means that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. God raised Jesus from the dead. He exalted Jesus to the right hand of the Father, and now he rules there as Lord of lords and King of kings. Now today we're not going to focus on this historical fact of the resurrection, even though it's extremely important. And even though it demands a response of every person on the face of this planet. If Jesus is alive, if he truly is the Son of God, how must we respond? But today we're going to focus on Jesus as the living one. The one who was raised from the dead never to die again. We're going to be looking at and study the appearance of the resurrected Christ to the Apostle John. Jesus appeared to John about 68 AD. It was a time of great persecution for the early Christians. The persecution began with the Emperor Nero, continued with his successors. And Jesus appeared to John to encourage him and to encourage the churches at that time in the midst of a very evil world to encourage them in the midst of great turmoil in a time not unlike the world in which we live today. So let's learn more about Jesus, the living one. Jesus, the living one, is in complete control. Our passage this morning begins in Revelation 1, verse 5. It says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So Jesus is mentioned here as being, first of all, the faithful witness. The Greek word here for witness is martus, which can mean witness or martyr, or both is which it means here. And so Jesus was a faithful witness for his father. He followed his father's will during his life on this earth, and he gave his life as a martyr on the cross. But he rose from the dead, for the very firstborn from the dead, Jesus is the only one who rose from the dead never to die again. And he's the firstborn. That means there are more to follow. And who are those who are going to be raised from the dead one day? Well, it's believers. That's you and me. At the return of Christ, at his second coming, he will raise all of us to have eternal bodies, spiritual bodies, just as he does. And now Jesus is ruler of the kings of the earth. He's in complete control. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that happens in the world is caused by God, but it does mean that everything that happens fits into God's plan. God is in control. He is sovereign. What's the most important benefit that Jesus, the living one, brings to us? Well, Jesus provides salvation. He saves us. It says, to Jesus who loves us, verse 5, and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And so Jesus, the resurrected Lord, he loves you. 
That's why he came to this earth. He came from heaven to earth because he loved you. He died on the cross that you and I might have a relationship with him. And through his death on the cross, his blood forgives us. He forgives our sins and he frees us from sin as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus' love for us and his death makes salvation possible. Salvation is entry into a relationship with God called eternal life that's going to last forever. That means we will never die. Physical death is but the doorway into eternal life with Jesus. And so eternal life is the very most important thing in all of life. It's far more important than our physical life. Somebody may take our physical life, but no one can take eternal life away from a believer. In this, Jesus, the living one, calls us to serve God. Verse 6 says, And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so when you are saved, when you become a believer, God makes you part, or Jesus makes you part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And as a priest, you have direct access to God. You can pray to Him and He can speak to you. There's no longer need for special priests as in the Old Testament. And when you're saved, you do not just go to heaven. You're saved not for heaven alone, but to serve God here on this earth. God has a plan for your life. God has it mapped out every day, what He has for you to do. And with His help, you can carry out that plan as you serve God. And God's plan for you and I to serve God fits in with His overall plan of the triumph of the kingdom of God. The victory of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of Satan is going to happen and all evil will be conquered when Jesus comes again. Jesus is coming back. You see, He's alive. He's not here on this earth anymore. He's in heaven and He's coming again for the second time to this planet. Verse 7 says, Look, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of Him. So shall it be. Amen. One day, at a time known only to the Father, Jesus will return to this earth. He will come back. It's His second coming. And when He returns... Everyone on the face of the planet will see him. It will be the most public of events in the history of mankind. It won't be hidden. It won't be in a corner. Everyone will know Jesus has returned. It says, even those who pierced him. Who pierced him? Jesus was pierced and crucified for the sins of every human being. My sins, your sins caused him to be pierced on that cross. And so everyone is guilty of his death. And those who have not believed in Jesus, they're going to mourn. They're going to realize that the things they heard were true. That Jesus was real. That he was alive. And they had not believed in him. And they will mourn at their lost opportunity because when Jesus returns, their chance to believe is over. It's past. And they now face God's judgment for eternity. 
And yet for the believer, the second coming is the most glorious of all times. It's a time our hearts long for. It's the time when everything that's wrong is going to be made right. It's the time when we will see Jesus face to face. The one that we've loved. The one who has died for us. The kingdom of God will triumph. And at the coming of Jesus Christ, we will receive resurrected bodies just like Jesus has. Anybody here have any aches and pains you'd like to get rid of? Any wrinkles, any warts you'd like to get rid of? It's all going to be done away with when Jesus returns again. God's plan cannot be thwarted. Jesus is in complete control. Now, sometimes in the world in which we live, we're tempted to think that our world is out of control. We read the news, we have radical Muslims blowing up people around the world, do we not? What is this world coming to? We have natural disasters, we have wars in the Middle East, we have millions of refugees going from one country to the next, and we don't know who is the good ones and who is the bad ones. Our culture in America seems to keep going in a downward moral spiral. Wrong is called right, and right is called wrong. And yet, the message of Jesus is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago when he appeared to John the Apostle in the book of Revelation. Despite what seemed to be advances of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God is alive and well. Jesus is reigning in heaven as Lord of lords and King of kings. The kingdom of God is advancing. People are being saved. People's lives are being changed. And so as believers, when we look at the world around us, we don't need to worry. We don't need to be in fear. We don't need to be complaining or grumbling. We must be devoted to obeying Jesus and carrying out his plans for our lives. Because he rules, he reigns, he's in control. And our sure hope is that one day Jesus will return. He said he would rise from the dead. Did he rise from the dead? He did. He said he's coming again. Will he come again? Yes, he will. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. One day in history, there will be a date. The date that Jesus returned to this planet. And at his return, evil will be judged. And believers will shine forever in the kingdom of God. And so, today, on Easter 2016, we can be encouraged, we can rejoice, because Jesus is in complete control. And not only is Jesus in complete control, but Jesus is with you. Jesus is with us. Verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash across his chest, around his chest. And so now John the Apostle sees Jesus, the living one. He appears as the great high priest, the one who's made a way for every believer to have a relationship with God, the one who forgives our sins. And Jesus is standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands. Later in the chapter, we find out what the lampstands are. The lampstands are the seven churches that were present at the time of John. And Jesus is standing in the midst of his churches. 
Jesus, through his spirit, is with the true church. He was back then, 2,000 years ago. He is today. And in the Bible, every believer is always a member of a local church, which these seven lampstands represent. And those churches back 2,000 years ago were undergoing attacks for their faith. Christians were being martyred. They were being persecuted. But Jesus is right there with them in the midst of their trials and persecutions. Not only is Jesus with us, but Jesus knows what you're going through. Verse 14, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. And so the whiteness of Jesus' head and his hair represent his holiness. It represents his absolute purity, his goodness, but I want to focus on his eyes. Eyes like blazing fire. The eyes of Jesus see everything. There's nothing hidden from his gaze. People may try to hide their sins or their secrets from people, but you can't hide from the eyes of Jesus. He knows everything about you. He knows everything going on. There's nothing hidden from his gaze. And not only does Jesus know people's sins, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows all about his children. He knows all about those who love him, who are seeking to serve him. Hebrews 4 tells us that because Jesus lived life on this planet as a human being, he knows what you're going through. He knows our weaknesses and he sympathizes with us. He was tempted in every way as we are, and yet he was without sin. And so he knows how to encourage us to give us the grace we need in times of trial. Jesus' word protects you. His feet, Jesus' feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Verse 15, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And so Jesus' appearance was awesome. Was it not, if you can begin to picture what he looked like? His feet were glowing with the power to defeat his enemies. One day all his enemies will be underneath his feet. His voice had the sound of Niagara Falls. Have you ever heard of mighty waterfalls? Powerful. His face shone like the sun. He held seven stars in his right hand. The chapter later tells us these are the angels of the seven churches. And from his mouth comes a double, sharp, double-edged sword. And that sword represents the word of God. It's a word of salvation for everyone who believes. And it's a word of judgment for those who refuse to believe. And so the word of Christ protects you in everything you do. As you follow Jesus, as you carry out his purpose. The safest place to be in the whole world is in the center of God's will. Even in your midst of a war zone, if you're in God's will, God will protect you. Nothing in heaven or earth can separate a believer from the love of God, from Jesus' love, as we continue to believe in Him. And Jesus removes all fear from us. Apostle John writes, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first 
and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus' appearance was so awesome that John fainted, I guess, at his fate. He fell, he fell over. And Jesus reassured John. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's going on in the world. Don't be afraid of me. I love you. Jesus said, I am the first. I am the last. He created the universe. And he will bring an end to time as we know it. The beginning and the end. He's the living one. He truly was dead for three days in the tomb. And now he's alive forever and ever, never to die again. And he holds in his hand the keys of death and Hades. He's the Lord of life. He's the Lord of death. And we may not fear, for Jesus is with us. And so whatever you're going through today, and everyone is going through something different, whatever you think is coming your way in the future, whatever you may be concerned about, if you're a believer, Jesus is with you. And He wants you to see Him. He wants you to see Him as the living one who's able to protect you as you follow Him. And so as we see Jesus, as he's revealed himself as the living one in the book of Revelation, you can be an overcomer in life. As we read on in the book of Revelation, Jesus had a message for each of the seven churches. And he says those that overcome will spend eternity with him. Your protection, your ability to overcome is only part of only as a part of a local church. The seven lampstands that Jesus stood in the midst of represent seven local churches in the first century. And as part of the church, Jesus' word will protect you as you obey it, as you follow him. And so there's no need to worry. There's no need to fear. There's no need to stress out or be anxious. Jesus is the living one. And in his very last words, he promised to never leave or forsake his followers, those who believed in Him. And so this morning we celebrate this resurrection of Jesus Christ. A historically proven fact. Jesus is the living one. He's alive today. He's in complete control of your life and the entire world. If you're not a believer this morning, Jesus calls you to believe in Him, to submit your life to the living one, the one who rules and reigns. He's coming again. And when he dies, those who believed in him in this life will spend eternity with him. A wonderful, wonderful hope that we have. Those who have not believed in him will spend eternity apart from him in a place of eternal torment and suffering called hell. There's no two more contrasting locations ever conceived between heaven and hell. And God says, choose heaven choose to believe in Jesus Christ in this life. Those who may are not sure if you've made that choice or you know you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute to put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you're a believer here this morning, Jesus is with you. He wants to keep you safe. He wants to keep you in the center of His will. He wants to keep you secure in His love. And that happens as you commit your life to serving Him. 
the protection of a local church. Jesus, the living one, wants you to be an overcomer. Overcoming temptation to worry or to fear in the evil days that we live in by trusting in Him. Now this morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer, perhaps you made some commitment in the past, but you've drifted away. If you're not sure if Jesus would come again, that you'd spend eternity with Him in heaven, I'd encourage you to pray a prayer like this to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. First thing you need to do, A, is admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. We all have sinned, the Bible says. We all fall short of the glory of God. Admit that you've sinned. B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive your sins and rose from the dead. Ask Him to forgive you. And C, commit your life to following Him as your Lord. To doing what He says all throughout your life. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now and we're going to pray a simple prayer. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. If you want to make sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been living my life according to my plan and not yours. I've done wrong things, I admit it. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, and that He rose from the dead three days later. I put my faith and trust in Him. I commit my life to serving Him as my Lord. I will obey what He tells me to do throughout life and eternity. Thank you for coming into my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank You. We thank you, God, for this day, Easter 2016, in which we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. A day that changed history forever, that changed our planet. We praise you that he is the living one. Not only did he rise from the dead 2,000 years ago, but he's alive today. He's in complete control. He's ruler of the kings of the earth. Forgive us for not living our lives in close relationship with Him. Forgive us for not looking to Him each and every day. Forgive us for worrying, for being anxious, for stressing out when there's nothing to fear as we follow You. Help us to serve Jesus with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls until He returns. May we obey His Word. Each thing that He tells us, may we follow it. May we live under Jesus' protection in His church. And God, I pray that any here who are struggling with worry or fear or being anxious about the future, God, may they be, may they be delivered into a life of faith and trust in Jesus. Knowing that if they're following Jesus, there's nothing to worry about. If they're following Jesus, there's nothing to fear. If you're following Jesus, there's nothing to be anxious about. May each one here be an overcomer in their own life, and may they bring many more into the kingdom of God as they share about Jesus, the living one. And today we look forward to your soon return. Our hope, 
the hope of glory that one day you'll return and make everything right. You'll return and we will have resurrected bodies just like yours. Will You will return and we will live forever in your presence. Thank you for that hope that keeps us strong in today's world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.